you're listening to The Real Kathy Lee on the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Thanks for joining me as I share my mom sessions. It's basically my imperfect journey of motherhood. Be prepared to laugh, maybe cry, but hopefully you're going to be encouraged as I share my failures, successes, and offer some tips I've learned along the way. And remember, you've got this. Check out the homegrownpreschooler.com. They have a great new curriculum called A Summer of Playing Skillfully. Hey guys, I hope that you are having a fabulous weekend and it is warm and sunny here. It has been the week of Wimbledon. I watched them last week and golly, I just finished watching this most ridiculous match with John Isner and Kevin Anderson. Are any of you tennis fans? Man, it was just intense. I think it went... Um, five set, sets, and the final set was 26-24, and Isner lost. Isner played at the University of Georgia, so of course, being a Georgia girl, I am all for that, and was hoping that he would pull it out, and he just came short, but boy, he played so great. It was amazing to watch. So anyway, while I was doing that, I was finishing up a keynote that I'm getting ready to give next week at uh, Woodstock First Baptist, their Noonday Association. I'm excited. They've invited me to be their keynote for this year, and... As I was trying to decide what I wanted to say, I kept going back to stuff that I had recently seen in the Mr. Rogers documentary. You know I'm a huge Mr. Rogers fan, right? There's Everyone knows that, right? So um, finally I got to see the documentary, and, and most of it not, wasn't new information to me because I've followed this man for as long as I can remember. In fact, when I was looking back or watching the documentary, they were talking about that his show started February of 1968. And I am guessing that is about the time my mom found out that she was pregnant with me. So really, as long as I've been in existence, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood has been in existence. And it's such a powerful show for me, but I think it's that way because he's such a powerful person. So when I was deciding what I wanted to do for this keynote, I thought, you know what? I really want to talk about Mr. Rogers and me and what is that and how it's impacted me as an early childhood person, child development person, and and how it might impact others and to encourage others on their journey. Um, according, you know, the journey of working with young children and how Mr. Rogers did it and what made him so special. Why was it so unique and why is he so unique? So I thought this would be the perfect time to do that, was to talk about, you know, what was so special about Mr. Rogers. So let's start with um, the stamps. Have you seen the stamps that came out? The stamps were amazing. I was at the post office and I saw these stamps and it was Mr. Rogers and King Friday. And I don't know how much you know about Mr. Rogers. Most of you gals are young and so you might not have seen Mr. Rogers or maybe you did. But, you know, he was the voice of most of the puppets. And and King Friday, you know, is a serious king, is always trying to do the right thing. And it was said that in later years, he became more like King Friday. But Daniel Tiger, which I know if you have little kids, you probably have seen that show. But Daniel Tiger was more Fred Rogers on the inside, like the vulnerable Fred Rogers. And so anyway, this stamp, stamp, commemorative stamp came out to honor 50 years of Mr. Rogers being around and um, TV show being around. And I loved them. They didn't have them. So I was so disappointed. They were like, oh, no, they'll be out soon. So one day I came, come home from a trip, and my precious husband, 
gives me a card and I open it up and there's a whole sheet of Mr. Rogers stamps. And I was just ah, so touched. And so I love, um, I love that we as a society are actually recognizing what a great thing this man did for young children. And as I've read and studied and and heard testimonies of people that were truly saved. I mean, saved from thinking about suicide and saved from being bullied and saved from feeling alone. I mean, moms, not just kids, but the moms. And, and I started thinking, what? okay, what is it? You hear what people say, but if you look at what are the things that we know about Mr. Rogers? So I thought it would make a fun podcast to talk about that this week of you know, what What do we know about Mr. Rogers and how does it impact us as parents? How does it impact us as educators? How does this impact us in working with young children? And just in general, what, what does this man really have to do with our lives? So the first thing I noticed over and over and over, the root of what Mr. Rogers did, the core, the very center was always love. He always said that, um, you know, love was the beginning. Love is where it was. In fact, one of his quotes said, deep within us, no matter who we are, there lives a feeling of wanting to be lovable, of wanting to be the kind of persons that others like to be with. And the greatest thing we can do is to let people know they are loved and they are capable of loving. And it's so interesting because if you've heard me talk at a conference, you always hear me say, hey, my goals for my kids are they grew up knowing they were loved and because they were loved, they are able to freely give love. And I think if we do that as parents, then we've conquered a lot. And it's interesting because um, I heard some negative reviews that said that, oh, Mr. Rogers, that's why we got these entitled kids, because he's telling everybody they're, you know, special. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. So much of what happens um, with our kids, with our adults, is that we don't value ourselves and we don't have a viewpoint of self that is truly worthy of love. Um, so we cover it up with all these other things. But I think at our core, if we could just help our kids know you're loved and you are lovable and you are worthy of giving love. You're worthy of receiving love. You're able to receive love and you're also able to give love. I think that we will have done a great thing. And you've seen my family room and pictures probably where I had this massive sign painted that just says love anyway. And it was something I heard at a Catalyst conference um, by Courtney Jeremy. Is it right? Courtney Jeremy, Jeremy Courtney. I'm going to get it wrong. It's Jeremy Courtney. And he talked about that. That was just their mission statement, love anyway. And I just have taken that on and hung it in my family room for us to remember. And it's not always easy. You know, love, 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 love. It sounds like this is super easy. And it's not. And while I'm on that topic, let me digress for two seconds and just go back to last week. There's been so much discussion about the podcast last week about the disengagement and that some parents said, you know, I want to disengage. I need to disengage. And please don't think for one second that I am telling you, number one, that it's easy to stay engaged all the time, nor should you stay engaged all the time. That isn't it. It's more of a balance. And I think I'm just seeing it swing total disengagement. So if you're like, wait, are you getting on to me? Absolutely not. You've got to have some time for yourself. If you've listened to me for a long time, you know, I'm a big advocate of being away from your children some so that you can regroup, refresh, refuel. So that's not what I was talking about with that podcast. It was really more of 
um, parents checking out just all the time. That's becoming the standard is the checkout. And because of that, we're not engaged in conversations. We're not engaged in their life. We're not engaged in um, communication with them. So anyway, back to this, Mr. Rogers. Love. Love is the root. Love is the root of his work with children. And I think that if that's our motivator, if we do it because we love kids, again, I tell parents that it's the hardest job. It is the hardest thing. to. They're exhausting. Kids are exhausting, let's be honest. But um, if we can approach it from because we really love these beings in our life, I think it will carry us far in the tough times. So the second thing we can learn from Mr. Rogers is that he understood children. He took the time to study child development. So what he actually studied in college before he went to seminary is that he studied child development. And on his show, he had child development advisors to make sure that things he did were developmentally appropriate, that he wasn't talking over their head and he was reaching children where they were. He did this in a mighty way. And he also was willing to do it out of the box, like not listen to, you know, what the culture said of the day. He he wanted to go to kids where he knew they were and what they were thinking. Often he would use the puppets to do that. Often he would make children feel more comfortable about talking about difficult subjects and difficult situations by using the puppets as a buffer. And, and I noticed in watching video of him going out to children, there would oftentimes kids would talk to the puppet where they might not feel talk, uh, comfortable talking to the grown-up. But he knew. For example, he, he shared a great story about the time where this little boy, he walked into a classroom and all these kids were kind of staring at him. And this little boy said, hey, my you know teddy bear's ear fell off in the washing machine. And you know what? We could have said so many things back to that, but because Mr. Rogers knew children and knew that often children have a difficult time distinguishing between make-believe and reality, that he wanted to assure this child, and he felt this child was saying it because he was worried that maybe, you know, his ear was going to fall off one day or his dad's ear was going to fall off one day. So Mr. Rogers took the approach and said, yep, that happens sometimes to toys. He didn't, you know, make it silly and funny and... He was serious. He said, yeah, it happens. But it doesn't happen to people. Their ears don't just randomly fall off or a leg fall off. Just like a toy. Toys break and fall off. But for people, we, we don't see that the same. And he was able to put this child's mind to ease. But it's so important if you don't know that. For example, when we get angry because our two-year-old doesn't share. Well, do you know it's not developmentally appropriate for a two-year-old to understand sharing? They don't get it. So if we know that, well, guess what? We're not going to be as frustrated when they don't do it. If we know that it's not developmentally appropriate to ask a four-year-old, every four-year-old to read. Some four-year-olds might read, but not every four-year-old is ready to read. And if we know that um, what's expected of language development, of chores, what's appropriate. Again, when when do kids learn different things? When are they ready to learn? When are they able to learn? That's understanding child development and, and also understanding the whole child, not just the academic portion, that how much the social and emotional part of the child impacts their academics and how much, you know, their life around them. And he knew that, and he was willing to go find the answer when he didn't know the answer. And he was willing to use 
tools like the puppets out of the box um, kind of things, the make-believe, because he knew how important make-believe is for young children. But it's all because he'd studied research. He'd studied Maslow. He'd, de- he'd studied Eric Erickson. He had studied, studied Jean Piaget, Freud even. I mean, all of the theorists and psychologists who had studied uh, the brain and child development for over the many years he followed them, and he learned, and he studied, and he put it into practice. So, so impressed with that with Mr. Rogers. The next thing that I probably love the most about Mr. Rogers, I don't know. I love so many things about Mr. Rogers, but he knew that learning involves feelings. It involves feelings, and sometimes those feelings aren't happy. I get emails and texts. In fact, I got one today, a Facebook message. A mom was like, what do I do? My kid is mad and they're angry. And I actually hear that a lot. And they might have anxiety issues or they probably have problems or, and I'm like, well, they're mad. Something isn't right. So instead of us making judgment, and we all do it, how about we just get curious and go, huh, I wonder what that is. Let me watch let me be still and watch and quiet and see if I observe something. Now, always can't be still and quiet if they're about to beat their sibling upside the head. You have to get involved and intervene. But when you can, just be curious and see if you can see a pattern of what's going on. And, and if they're mad, give them permission to be mad. And if they're sad, please give them permission to be sad. And if they're happy, honor that too. But he honored the feelings of children. And we have to do the same. I, he, ha- In fact, Mr. Rogers wrote a song, What Do You Do With the Mad That You Feel? And I love it, and I'm going to read the lyrics to you. What do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you could bite, when the whole world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems right? What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up some friends for a game of tag or see how fast you can go? It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else and think this song. I can stop when I want to. I can stop when I wish. I can stop, stop, stop any time. And what a good feeling to feel like this. And know that the feeling is really mine. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can for a girl can be someday a woman. A boy can someday be a man. What do you do with the mad you feel? What do you do with the mad you feel? We all feel mad and what do we do with it? And so for this parent who, you know, emailed me and I said, you know what? Give them permission. The greatest thing we can do is say, wow, I see you're mad. Do you want to be mad? What can we do? How can we help get that mad out? And that's how I always say it. We need to get it out. I see it. Let's get it out. Let's feel it. Dig deep and then get it out. Does it help to rip paper? Does it help to pound clay? Does it help to run? Does it help take deep dilly, deep uh, belly breaths? Does it help to wrap them up with a big hug? But you don't shh it away. And that's enough. And stop that. Because all that's going to do is cause children to shut down, who then become adults who shut down. And they're not allowed to feel. And if you become, if you're kids who aren't allowed to feel, and you become adults who aren't allowed to feel, you're going to have so much junk pinned up inside of you. So I would really encourage you to honor that learning involves feelings. I just love that about Mr. Rogers. I love that he did that all the time. Let's see you're sad when someone dies. See, you're sad that your parents get divorced. That's okay. You are. It is a sad thing when parents divorce. It is sad when your pet dies. It is sad when your friend moves away. It does make you angry when they take your toy. It does make you angry when you have to pack up and go to bed. And what do we do about that? How do we handle that? Mr. Rogers um, chose his word, words carefully when talking to children. He didn't jump in and just say things for being funny. I, I, what, what I loved 
watching in the documentary that he talked about, he would get frustrated at television, right? Because when television came out, it was just violence. And when it, you know, and, and it still is right with kids, it's just fast and it's, you know, in your face. And it's funny because I wondered why I was so drawn to Hugh Hanley. He's a musician I always talk about. He's an early childhood musician. I think it's the same reason. It's this calmness in these men and that we show children it is okay to be calm and it is okay. Everything doesn't have to be over the top, but we put so much over the top in front of um, children that I think they don't even know how to have calm communication. But if you watch Mr. Rogers, he was calm in his communication and he was positive in his communication and he let children know um, what was really going on. He spoke truthfully with them but he did it in a respectful way that was appropriate for them. And I love the quote, and I've said it before, that the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. And so how do we talk to our kids? How did Mr. Rogers talk to our kids? I remember they show a video of this little girl, and she comes up and says, Mr. Rogers, you know what? I like you. And Mr. Rogers says back, you know, and I like you. And then he, he also shares about this song that he wrote, that I like you just the way you are. You know, not because of what you do, but just the way you are. Can you imagine what that would do for our kids if they heard that? Because I think often we're like, hey, if you would just do this. Hey, go do this. Hey, I need you to do this. Hey, we've got to take care of this. Hey, could you just listen? Could you just make your bed? Could you just pick up your toys? And I wonder if it helps them create in them of not good enough. They can't do enough. And I'm guilty of this, too. I am. Don't think I'm pointing fingers. They're only pointing right at me. But I wonder if we replace it with more of, I like you just the way you are. Just the way you are. What that would do for our kids and what that inner voice would be for them. That if they felt confident in their own skin, if they felt confident, whether they looked like everyone else or whether they were completely different, whether they had one leg missing or whether they had, you know, webbed fingers and toes like my beautiful Aunt Martha. What inner voice does she believe about herself because of what was said to her? What do we say to our kids on a daily basis? I think often we don't even realize it. We don't even realize what we're saying. But Mr. Rogers did. He chose his words carefully when talking to children. And by doing that, he made every child feel special. Everybody felt special around Mr. Rogers. He even one time did a TV show for adults. They showed a clip of this in the documentary. And they talked about, um, he's sitting with this pianist and talking about how... He communicates with his songs. And Mr. Rogers said something to him, and you should have seen the guy stop and look and then begin to play. You could see that it really made this man feel special by the way that Mr. Mr. Rogers acknowledged his gift and his talent. Maya Angelou says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think that's oh so true, right? People will never forget how you make them feel. And Mr. Rogers made everyone around him feel special. He shares about, um, or in the documentary, they interview camera guys who worked for him. They interview um, Mr. Clemens, um, who was a black guy that was the officer, Officer Clemens. And um, how he made him feel. Because of life choices and because of his skin color, he just felt loved. He just felt loved. And I just think we miss that so often. We're so busy, and I'm so busy judging what they have that I don't, what they do that they shouldn't, what I think, blah, blah, blah. 
And in that, we take away how special they are just by being them. He got that right. I hope I can get that right. Mr. Rogers valued the work of play. He he often talked about play and how it was the work of a young child. As adults, we think of it as opposite, but for children, it is, it is work. And he honored it. He didn't expect it to be anything other than exactly what it was. And often, I think we don't do that as well. We don't see play as valuable. You know, I preach about it. I rant about it. And many of you said you've listened and you've started valuing it too. And gosh, that's the greatest compliment you can give me. But I love in watching just play, just play, just make believe. And and why do I think Mr. Rogers got that so much? I think it's because he remembered. He remembered what it was like to be a child. He kept it in the forefront of his brain. And I think many of us get burdened by the weights of being an adult, by thinking, oh, we've got to teach him to read. Oh, we've got to clean the house. Oh, what am I going to make for dinner? How am I going to do it all? And we get so burdened by that that we forget what it's like to just dance around and be silly, what it's like just to play games with your kids, what it's like to run outside in the rain. I wish the next time it rained, you would freak everybody else and you would grab their hand and you would just run outside in the rain and remember and twirl and remember what it's like because he definitely did that. And over and over and over, you hear people when they talk about Mr. Rogers, they talked about that's what he remembered. He remembered what it was like to be a child, and that impacted his work so much. And I think if we would remember what it was like to be a child, then it would impact us so much with our children as well. It was interesting. I was going to entitle this keynote, What Would Mr. Rogers Do? And I'm sitting in this documentary, and I picked the title before I saw the documentary. At the end of the documentary, sure enough, they say, So many people think, what would Mr. Rogers do? That's not the question. The question is, what would you do? And I'm like, huh, look at that. And that's exactly right. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in your home? What are you going to do in your life? Mr. Rogers was a very disciplined man. He got up every day at the same time. He swam every day. He was a vegetarian. He didn't drink alcohol. He was so disciplined in his life. And are you going to be disciplined are you going to make choices to invest in people, in children, in your children, and your friends? Are you going to make it your goal that people around you feel special, that they feel that when you have conversation with them that they're important? I want to do that. I want people to feel that way when they're around me, that they feel special, they feel loved, they feel cared for. I think that he did that in such a beautiful way. And what will you do? How will you make a difference? How will you leave a legacy? I bet you all have something you can think about. The last thing that I heard about Mr. Rogers and several different things, it was in his final keynote address or commencement address he gave. And they also brought it up in the documentary. And so I'm going to close with this. For the next minute, we're going to think about a person who's impacted you, someone who's been there for you, someone who has encouraged you, challenged you, changed you. So for one minute, I'm going to be quiet. And hopefully everything around me will be quiet. And I want you to think.
a minute's a long time when you're thinking, isn't it? I wonder who you thought about. I thought about all the women in my life. I have been so blessed from my mom's friend, Ruth, who used to pick me up at school for my mom and walk me to her house and make me a sandwich, to my mom's friend, Miss Cookie Doggett, who would make me my favorite peanut butter cookies, still my favorite, by the way, peanut butter cookies, to, of course, Debbie Mabry, who I talk about all the time, and one day I hope I get to have on this podcast with me, to the friends in my life now, to the strong women who've influenced me and encouraged me along the way. They're the helpers in my life, and who are the helpers in your life, and who's impacted you? But sometimes it takes us being still and quiet to think about that, and that's definitely what Mr. Rogers talked about so much, is that we take advantage of the still and the quiet, and if we would give in to that often, we would be able to think and make big plans and big dreams and then act on those. Man, he's impacted me. I know he's impacted you. I'd love to hear who you thought about in your minute of stillness. Shoot me an email, Kathy at the homegrown preschooler.com. You can message me, the real Kathy Lee. You can leave comments on the podcast. If you don't follow the podcast, do that on iTunes, by the way. And thanks to the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. I just talked to Felice, the sweet lady who also is the um, host of Vintage Homeschool Moms. She. It's such an encouragement on this journey, and she really works hard to bring all these podcasts to you guys. So thank her for that. If you get a minute, drop her a line if you can. So I hope you have a good week. I hope you take into account some of the things that Mr. Rogers said and thought and believed and lived. Go out there and live it, and I hope you have a great week. You've been listening to The Real Kathy Lee. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. To find out more, check out therealkathylee.com. You can download us every Friday on iTunes or your favorite app to listen to the podcast. Hey, if this hot mess can rock motherhood, so can you.